Coming to you from the middle of the country, a new voice in politics, a show that is breaking away from the two-party system. In the Middle, with your host, Justin Staten. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to In the Middle, the podcast that's trying to bridge the gap between politics and reality. Good Friday morning to you. I'm glad that you guys are here for another show. And PSA, right out of the gate, I want to give you guys a public service announcement. Stop donating to the Democrats and Republicans. Take your money out of BlackRock and Vanguard. We have to start to learn to vote with our dollars, guys. We can't be giving our money to these people who turn around and dictate the worst kind of terms to us. So take your money out and stop giving it to them. If you got your money in BlackRock, Vanguard, find somewhere else to put it. I personally like self-directed IRAs. And again, this is not, I'm not giving you financial advice or legal advice. I'm just saying I personally like uh, IRAs, self-directed IRAs that I get to decide where the money goes and how it's invested. And typically it's invested into real estate. And several of my friends, my colleagues also use self-directed IRAs to do the same and buy tangible assets that they can see and that produce them income every month. There's a lot of options out there. So the only reason these companies are powerful, guys, is because we've we've given our money to them on loan for them to turn around and invest and have all this say and power and across the country. So we need to take that power back. Anyway, that's your Friday morning public service announcement. And I'm I just want to say I'm super glad that you guys are, are here for the fifth episode, technically sixth episode, but the fifth day means the world to me. You know, it's, I've gotten a lot of great feedback this week, and, and I really appreciate that, guys. So thank you so much for all the feedback, the ideas, some of the questions, all good, and some of the motivation, some of the people telling me to keep going. Good job. This, this show is going to be a good show. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. So thank you so much. You're the reason why I'm doing this every day. And it means a lot for you to even, even, and I've gotten some negative feedback too. And, and I appreciated that it, it it's, it's helpful. It, it really does help make the show better. So thank you so much for tuning in every day of this first week. It means a lot. And I'm going to keep going and, uh, every day, try to make the show better. I got some new equipment in last night and I've got some more coming. So maybe if it all gets here before the end of the weekend, I'm not sure if it is, there might be a new, totally uh, new crisp, clear sound come Monday's episode. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's get on with it. So on Fridays, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to find the right feel for some of these episodes. And I think Fridays, I'm going to do like a quick catch up where I can quickly go back and catch you up on any new information on stories that we covered earlier in the week. And today I want to try that out and see if it's useful. This these will be things that I will just quickly go through and then we'll move on with the topics of the show. So the quick catch up for this Friday, Mike DeWine yesterday requested FEMA assistance, finally. And he also stated that he is working with HHS, which is Health and Human Services, CDC, which we know they are inept, and the EPA. He also mentioned that he's going to, quote, hold the company's feet to the fire, meaning Norfolk Southern. He even said the attorney general is ready to intervene in the event Norfolk Southern lets up on cleanup and relief efforts for the citizens of East Palestine. I think that still remains to be seen. I saw a story last night where J.D. Vance, the senator from Ohio, actually was in East Palestine visiting the residents. Good for you, J.D. Vance. And he 
is a little concerned that cleanup and mitigation is not going well. And so that's something I will keep an eye on for you guys. We'll see how it goes. Pete Buttigieg finally made an, made a statement. Finally. And I'm not even I'm not even going to insult your ears with it because all he could muster was that even though this particular incident, and I'm quoting here, even though this particular incident got a lot of attention, there are over a thousand train derailments each year. End quote. This guy is tone deaf. He should resign immediately. If you needed an example of failing up, it's this guy. I mean, he could barely run the city of South Bend, but yeah, I guess he's qualified to to run an entire department, the Department of Transportation. I mean, he seems seems qualified. Or maybe he just seems a little distracted with things like equity, which we're actually going to talk about on today's show. Uh, and he's getting nothing done. I guess the requirements to hold cabinet-level positions in the Biden administration is a heartbeat and a high threshold for dishonesty. And like not showing up and doing your job. These guys take a lot of time off, which I don't get. We deserve better America. And Oh, oh, I just read this other note. That's why I paused there. We do deserve better America. But I forgot, I forgot to mention this, and I don't want to forget, he also, in that same statement, blamed Trump for the train derailment in East Palestine. Now think about that. They've been in office for over two years now, but he's he blamed Trump for what happened. Like, guys, this is, this is how pathetic they are. This is how ridiculous and pathetic they are. So anyway, I'm going to move on. Pete Buttigieg, please step down. Let somebody else with uh, the know-how and the give-a-crap run that department. We we in America would all appreciate. Signed, all Americans. Yeah, and in case you missed it, guys, there's a new dehumanizing term for women. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the new dehumanizing term from the woke crowd, woke scientists, is use, quote, egg producing, not female says scientists in a call to phase out binary language. Experts say other terms that could be problematic include man, woman, mother, and father, as well as survival of the fittest. Barf. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like, and this is a serious article. So if, if you're sitting there going, what? Nah, yeah, this is a serious article. It's over on the Telegraph. You can go check it out on the Telegraph's website. Uh, but yeah, so scientists want to, and I don't know who these scientists are. I didn't even, I didn't even give the article 30 seconds of my time because this is just absurd. It's absurdly stupid and nothing more. And this is why we can't have extreme political ideologies. You know, this is a perfect example. We're going to have another example of that here in the show coming up. Uh, but this is why guys, this is a why, because now we're supposed to call women egg producing, not female. Uh, it, wow. Like women in America should be fired up. Like I, man, I couldn't imagine being like you, you, you went through suffrage, you went through the feminist movement and now you've got all these woke idiots out there dehumanizing you because, because some of their friends, and again, I have nothing wrong with people who want to be transgender, but you, those who want to be trans gender at the cost of other people's rights and and freedoms and principles not okay right that's we we that's not okay but you've got these woke idiots out there that because a few of their friends feel gender fluid or confused or upset that they don't have a, 
uh, a, a non-gender to define them or pronouns that, that don't define them, we're just going to change it for everybody. So you can't be a woman anymore. You're going to be an egg producer. That's going to be how you're referred to in writings and in science and scientific papers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, this is where science actually goes out the door. They, these, these people who say, oh, follow the science, trust them. They don't actually believe in science. They don't. Science is politics. It's whatever the politics says is the science. And we have to, I'm not going to be calling, referring to my wife as egg producing. I'm not going to do that. She's a, she is an amazing, strong woman. She was a, an amazing, strong woman athlete. I'm really excited because we're actually going up to her alma mater this weekend to watch a basketball game, which is going to be super cool. Um, but she is an amazing, strong woman, not an amazing, strong egg producer. Yeah, I mean, she produces eggs, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to caught her down. I'm not going to dehumanize who she is and what she is. And women, you got to stand up strong to these woke idiots and, and start speaking out. It's not, not cool. Not cool. Guys, what's going on in Ohio? Uh, <laughs> since starting the show, there have been two big stories that have come out of Ohio, the train derailment. And now somewhere there's a story coming out of a place where I used to live and called home for almost five years and still do business in today, Springfield, Ohio. There's a story coming out of Springfield that reports that black students at an elementary school were forcing white students to say black lives matter against their will. They were on recess and apparently they were rounding up white kids and and in some instances uh, punching them uh, in order to get them to say while they filmed it, that black lives matter. And this is an unfortunate incident. And, but the reality is that I don't blame the kids, they're kids. I blame the adults and CRT. So we will jump into why CRT does not have its origins in racism, but rather communism. And you should be skeptical of it. So we're going to talk about that on today's show. And did you guys see Senator John Fetterman checked himself into Walter Reed for help with clinical depression? Jeez Louise, this guy. I, I mean, I get DC DC is a hellhole, but the guy's only been there on the job for like a month and a half. And he's already he's already been in the hospital twice. And this time he checked himself in for depression. And I'm not and I get I'm not trying to make light of it, but I do have some thoughts. And I'm interested to get yours. I think this proves my point on political ideologies. And it's this is probably not what you think in the direction I'm gonna go. So we're gonna talk about that on today's show, and then I'm gonna end the show on some good news. Looks like the Texas Attorney General is suing the government for the garbage trillion dollar omnibus spending bill that they passed at the last minute of last year before the new Congress can be sworn in. So I'm going to tell you the details about that and where I think it's going to go. But first, before we get going, guys, you know, I ask you every day, please share the show wherever you're listening to the show at. Please give it a share, leave a comment, review so I can make the show better for you guys. A lot of you have been reaching out personally or individually, and I really appreciate that. But also don't forget to go to Apple, Spotify, make sure you subscribe to the show because what that does is it moves it up in the algorithm and then other people can find the show when they're looking for something this weekend to maybe digest or marinate on while they're resting from a hard week's work, they can find the show. So please go out, subscribe, hit that subscribe, gut, subscribe button. 
uh, on podcasts and Spotify and wherever you're listening to this podcast from. It would mean the world to me. So, yeah, this event that happened in Springfield, Ohio, it's not getting a lot of national airtime or national news, but the story's making its rounds. And it's unfortunate. I mean, here, here you have kids at an elementary school in Springfield, Ohio, one of my old stomping grounds. And, and I love Springfield, Ohio. I think it's, it's an amazing town. It's, it's come so far. You know, it was basically decimated in the 1970s when manufacturing left town. And um, it's had a hard, ha- hard had a hard road uh, ahead of itself to to rebuild, and it's done a phenomenal job. And if you guys are ever in Ohio, I encourage you to go through Springfield, Ohio, and check out its its amazing downtown and its brewery. It, it, it's it's really become an amazing uh, downtown and and city and, and atmosphere to hang out. If you don't have anything to go, if you don't have anything going on on a weekend, so. Yeah, please stop by and check it out. But, you know, this story is really an unfortunate, in my mind, this, and I'm not mad at the kids. Apparently, the, the police had to be called out to the school because they were forcing white kids. They were rounding them up on, on recess and, and making them stand in a certain place and make them, while they filmed, I, I assume on their phones, um, uh, basically to say Black Lives Matter on camera. And some kids we're just trying to avoid the situation really. I mean, it's recess. They just want to go play. They want to have fun and they want to hang out. They don't, they don't want to do anything political or, you know, anything, um, swearing oaths or what, you know, they're kids. So they're like, man, so some of them are just trying to like avoid the situation. Like, "Ah, I'm going to go over here and play. And they rounded them up anyway. Some carrying some kids, dragging some kids. And I, apparently one kid even got punched in the head a few times. It's super unfortunate. But, you know, I don't blame the kids. I, I really do not blame the kids. I I believe this this very well. And I don't know because, again, I haven't been to the school. I, I have not um, I'm not sat in. I don't have a student a child that goes to the school. So I honestly don't know. But I have a hunch that maybe CRT or critical race theory may have something to do with this because it is bleeding into the schools, guys. And... Again, this is why you can't your ideology can't drive the bus here because the left has made CRT and, and equity one of their cornerstones. And and it's and it doesn't surprise me because the left are Marxists. They're they're socialists um, at best, communists at worst. And I think when the Communist Party guys of Russia and China and those exist, I hope hope we're all on the same page there. Now, Russia got away from communism, but for a long time, well, uh, the optics is, is that they got away from communism, right, back in the late 80s. But for, for several decades, they were a communist country, uh, early in the 1900s and all the way up until basically the Berlin Wall fell and, and Russia failed. But it was the, the goal of the Communist Party, both Russia, China, etc., to infiltrate America, Back in the 1950s and 60s, I mean, there was a Cold War, guys. There was, there was a fight between capitalist societies and freedom societies and communist societies, and there was a huge goal. And I, I believe that the Communist Party actually infiltrated America, and I think, and it is out there. There's, there's so much stuff out there that you guys could like Google this stuff and go down the rabbit hole for days of all the ways the Communist Party tried to infiltrate America. But they had a few key key areas that they wanted to infiltrate. 
One was politics, one was education. One of their goals, stated goals, was to create race division in America. Because if you can create race division in America, then you can create chaos in America. And if there's chaos in America, America fails, right? Divided, we fall. United, we stand. And they know this. Uh, because our free, free society, guys, is a powerful thing. So anytime you're hearing CRT, and I, I'm going to kind of just go over it with you guys today, just just briefly and quickly. But anytime you guys hear CRT, I, I, you, ha you can't think racial issues. This is a farce. You have to immediately think this is Marxist. This is socialist. This is communist. This is not racial. This is not going to heal the racial wounds of America. It's actually designed to do the opposite. CRT is designed to create a prism by which we analyze aspects of American life through race and race only, which you can't do. And it teaches people to look only at race and to subjugate or, or divide people amongst those races. And that should not be our, our goal. So I wanted to just quickly go over how to identify critical race theory. I think, you know, and again, I'm all for uh, equality, you know, and civil rights. You know, growing up in school, when we learned about Martin Luther King and civil rights and, you know, slavery and the Civil War and all this, you know, my generation, and I know you guys are out there, you know, from the 1980s kids, the late 70s and 1980s kids, you know, our generation grew up not thinking and having these ideologies. Now, racism existed in our world, and it still does today, and it always will. I mean, CRT is an example of that. But, you know, it's just astonishing to me that we grew up loving and admiring people like Martin Luther King Jr. You know, we, white kids and black kids just hung out. You know, we shared our cultures with one another. You know, I remember listening to Snoop Dogg and Easy E and, and Ice Cube. And I remember, and it's, it's taken a while for it to catch on, but I remember sharing stuff like country music and pop and, and rock with some of my black friends who really enjoyed it, loved it. But look, we hung out every day, all day. We hung out at the parks together. We rode bikes together. We didn't even think about these things. But we also weren't taught to think, you know, my black friends growing up weren't taught to to feel like they were victims of society and that they could never, you know, unless unless you took stuff away from the white guys, you'll never succeed. They, they weren't taught to think that. And I wasn't, and the rest of my white friends were not taught to hate ourselves or be ashamed of our white privilege. I mean, there wasn't even a term back then. It's just literally just been made up in the last several years. And so it's really disheartening to 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 get to this place in society and start going backwards where kids are rounding each other up because they look at each other differently. And I mean, these are seven, I mean, these are like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old kids, right? What, what have they even had to go through in life so far? I mean, that's, that's the time of life where you have everything easy. You know, what discrimination you know, how, how have the white kids had to show off their white privilege? They're, they're nine, they're 10. 
but yet we've got kids rounding kids up based off of skin color and making them say things based off of skin color and race because this is what we're teaching them. We can't just teach them to be kids and that we're all American citizens and we should love one another. Yeah, we should teach about the the past and the history because that's important. It's very important that we teach about it. And so we never repeat the same mistakes. But to teach kids racism, which is what CRT is, is not okay. So I'm going to run through this quickly, guys. How to identify critical race theory today. And, you know, just, just a little background. Critical race theory was founded by law professors. And they used Marxist guys' analysis. They, I mean, this is admitted. They, they say this stuff out loud. They use Marxist analysis to conclude that racial dominance by whites created systemic racism. That's the whole theory of critical race theory. It's been dominant in colleges and universities for years, um, but their impact on public policy was limited until recently. Uh, and the precepts of CRT have now burst outside the universities affecting K through 12 schools, workplaces, state and federal governments, and even the military. And this has sparked some resistance from Americans who refuse to have their children indoctrinated or to submit to race-based workplace harassment because it is not okay. I mean, what, what was civil rights for? I mean, what did Martin Luther King Jr. say? Man shouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Never by the color of their skin. Color of skin shouldn't matter. We, we no, Nobody gets to pick how they're born or what they're born with or what their skin color is at birth. Nobody gets to pick that. So now we're going to hold it against them or we're going to give it the, the it's going to be an excuse for them. Guys, if there was systemic racism, because I know the counter argument, if there was systemic racism, then there wouldn't be any, any gains for black and brown Americans. And there are. There are tons, millions of successful black and brown Americans. And there are some not. But I have, do not believe it has anything to do with a system of racism. I think it has a lot to do with abandoning, abandoning culture and abandoning family values in some communities. And it's, it's not a black problem. It's not a brown problem. It's also a white problem. There are poor white communities that have fatherless homes or motherless homes, drug problems, et cetera, welfare, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's black communities like that and there are brown communities like that, guys. And it is not because of the color of their skin. It is because of the erosion of family values, work ethic. Now, some areas of the country were over years, and again, not racism, but just over years, you know, they, they've had industries collapse, mainly manufacturing, which has put a lot of these communities who had the opportunity to make good livings and have good lives and keep the family together were destroyed because a complete industry is just picked up and moved out. But it's had nothing to do with race. Nothing. So there's a new tactics going or a new tactic going around right now in the schools. And this is why it's important. This is why I want to bring it up. Because if, if you're a parent, if you're a white parent, black parent, brown parent, you should know this. And you should be pushing back on this because it is teaching your kids the wrong things. It's teaching them Marxist, socialist, communist, ideologies and 
if if they succeed at this, guys, we'd lose. We all lose. We lose. Because we will be divided for forever. And we don't need that. We don't want that. So they got a new tactic going out there saying, you know, they're, they're kind of changing up the, the words and because there has been pushback. So they're changing up the words, changing up how they're, they're delivering the message, uh, et cetera. And then, you know, they created this diversity, equity, inclusion program uh, for trainers to, to go out and like train on this stuff. It's, it's called DEI. Um, and you just, you got to be aware of it. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a couple quick things to identify CRT. This is how you can identify it. One, systematic race, racism. CRT, CRT's key assertion is that racism is not the result of individual conscious racist actions or thoughts. Racism is systemic and structural. So think about that. Key assertion is that racism is not the result of individuals' conscious racist, racist actions or thoughts. Meaning, it, racism has nothing to do with somebody actually thinking racist things. Racism just exists all by itself because of systemic and structural issues. It's ridiculous. Trust me when I say racism is a thing that starts in the mind and expresses itself through words and actions. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous to me to think otherwise. So... They believe it's embedded in America's legal system, institutions, and free enterprise system and imposes whiteness as the societal norm. The system, including capitalism, is rigged to reward white behavior and preserve white supremacy. So curricula and training sessions that teach that racism is systemic and structural and demand that Americans work to dismantle laws, traditions, norms, institutions, and free market enterprise. Guys, those are communist tactics communist tactics that the entire American system itself are a part of CRT. So anybody that is saying, if you hear these key words that teach that racism is systemic and structural and demand that Americans work to dismantle our laws, traditions, norms, institutions, and free market enterprise, or the entire American belief system or not belief system, but just system that's CRT at work guys. Two, race drives beliefs and behaviors. So critical race theorists assert that American culture is a conspiracy to perpetrate white supremacy by imposing white concepts on people of other races. Thus, members of minority groups must retain their cultural habits and never adopt standard practices or norms, no matter how neutral. Curricula or uh DEI programs that separate individuals by race or teach that concepts such as being on time, hard work, literacy, etc. are products of white values and therefore must be rejected by minorities. Those are CRT teaching points. So if you hear somebody saying things like, hey, um, being on time, working hard, literacy, being able to read, being able to do math are racist. Those are products of white values and therefore must be rejected by minorities. Those are CRT talking points. So if you, if you hear that out and about, you'll know. Um, very dangerous, guys, because being on time, working hard, being able to read and do math, I mean, those are all common core principles to success. But we're teaching kids, no, 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 no. You don't have to be on time. You don't have to be able to read. 
So we're dumbing them down and making them feel victims constantly. It's absurd, guys. This is nothing more than Marxist socialism. This is like, how do you take over a government and impose communism 101? Well, first you got to divide the people. Well, this is what CRT, they're, they're Marxist guys. Like they're, they're Marxists and they have said so publicly. I'm not just saying they're like, they have identified this. Three, white privilege. Because of the above, what I just mentioned, critical race theory says that white people are born with unearned privilege that other Americans are denied. This produces a whiteness premium that prevents working class whites from working with working class blacks to change the economic system. So CRT asserts that to achieve the unification of the working class, whites must recognize their white privilege and renounce it. So any DEI programs that compel students or employees to accept their right white privilege and or to abandon it are part of CRT. So if you hear the word white privilege, those are people pushing CRT inequity, which again, the whole point of this part of the show, guys, CRT, equity, Marxist, socialist, communist words. You have, that's what it's about. It's not about racial equality, guys. It's about socialism and communism and teaching our kids to be divided from a very early age, which is why you got kids in Springfield, Ohio, being horrible to one another over skin color, guys. I, th I thought we were over this back in the, in the 90s when I was going to school. Apparently, we're not. The system won't allow non-whites to succeed. Critical race theory teaches that whites have rigged the system. So the criteria used to measure merit and success in school or the workplace are not objective, but are designed to keep white individuals on top. Hiring metric and workplace benchmarks such as punctuality and logical thinking need to be eliminated if non-whites are to succeed. So any curriculum or training program that says colorblindness is a myth and advocates for eliminating standard measurements of success, including Standardized testing for universities' admissions for reasons of racial equity are part of CRT. Now, I have a whole other argument about standardized testing. I don't think it's a racist thing. I just think it's a stupid thing. It doesn't always do a well or a good job uh, in really seeing how, whether or not somebody's going to succeed. Anyway, I digress. That's a story for another day. We're going to move on. Five. Equity replaces equality. And this is the big one, guys, because if you've noticed, you're, you're hearing the word equity a lot anymore. And it has replaced the word equality. And equity sounds a lot like equality, but it's not. They're two different things. Under critical race theory, it has become its functional opposite, equity versus equality. Equality means equal treatment for all Americans under the law. CRT's equity demands race-based discrimination because system or systemic racism has produced disparities between the races and because the system will only deepen their disparities by rewarding the wrong criteria, government must treat individual Americans unequally according to skin color to forcibly produce equal outcomes. That's equity. So, so because there's systemic racism, which I would argue does not exist anymore. I, I do believe systemic racism existed, guys. We wouldn't have had slavery. We wouldn't have had Jim Crow. 
we would have had a lot of those issues had systemic racism not existed in America. The argument is it no longer exists in America, but we're trying to teach everybody that it does. Hey, we're, we're teaching victimhood. But again, this is a div divisive thing, not a uniting thing. Because if you believe in this stuff, if, if you're a listener and you believe in this stuff, then you are choosing to divide yourself. You are choosing to separate yourself and create a divide. And why would you want to do that? That's, that's my number one question is why do we want to go back to separating ourselves amongst color? It's very un-American because, yeah, it used to be a thing in America, but we changed it. We progressed, and that's the point is to always get better. And this is not making us better because this is Marxist, socialist, communist talking points. It'll never make us better. Anyway, I got to move, keep moving here because if not, I'm going to run out of time very, very quickly. So because there's disparities created by the systemic system, Government must treat individual Americans unequally according to skin color to forcibly. I mean, that just sounds on the surface. You don't even have to dig deep on that one. Racist. It just sounds racist to forcibly produce equal outcomes. So how can we stop CRT guys? Find out what your school's teaching, you know, submit freedom of information requests to gain access to public documents, including school board and school district materials. Speak to your child's teacher and principal and share with them her this, her oh, sorry, this was Heritage's analysis um, on CRT and what it stands for, et cetera. Um, engage with your local school board. Now, go to meetings, show up. Uh, you know, participate. Go to open houses. Go to school board meetings and participate talk to your children ask them what they're learning guys crt is is not you know do i think we have some things that need to be improved in america still as it, as it pertains to equality yes i do a hundred percent i'll never deny that I, I think there still are some equality issues as it pertains to minorities in this country and I think we should work feverishly on making those better. But this is not an equality issue. This is equity, guys. This The reason I have a problem with this is because it's not actually going to fix anything. It's just going to make everything worse. Because you're going to teach little black and brown kids to hate white kids. They're going to end up being racist. And then we start the whole thing over again. It's not okay. Equity, bad, because equity is a Marxist, socialist, communist tool to divide America. We do need to work on equality. We do. And we all need to stand together in that and work towards it. So that's all I got there, guys. Uh, did you guys see that John Fetterman checked into... I think it was Walter Reed. I'm trying to find my note here real quick. I, I apologize. I thought I had. Yep, here it is. Checks into Walter Reed uh, for clinical depression. And I kind of chuckled when I first read it. And again, not to make light of, of uh, the mental health issues and all that. Um, the reason I chuckled is because I, I'm just shocked the guy was elected to begin with. So if, if you're not familiar with the story, John Fetterman was a senator from, is a senator from Pennsylvania. He ran in this last election cycle 
and had a stroke uh, during the campaign season. And the stroke, in many ways, gave him kind of incapacitated him and gave him some deficits, which sometimes happens with strokes. I mean, we know that. And rather than bow out, and I don't know if the pressure was from family to keep going or the Democrat Party to keep going so they didn't lose another Senate seat. I, I have a feeling it was something like that. He kept going. He stayed in the campaign. And there were there were times he could barely walk on the stage. There were times he, he, he didn't seem like he was with it when he was giving speeches. I mean, he would say weird things and all post-stroke symptoms that we see. And it was kind of sad. And at that point, a lot of people in America, including myself, were thinking, this guy should just step down and go get healthy because the rigors of the job of being a senator and congressman for those who actually work, it can be quite stressful. So maybe it would be best for him to step down out of the campaign, which would have automatically meant the Republican would have won and get, get, get the proper uh, care and recovery time that he needed. Shortly after the the um, State of the Union address, sorry, I was having a maybe I was having a stroke there myself. Um, total brain fart, though. Uh, shortly after the State of the Union speech, uh, John Fetterman w- went to the hospital because he was concerned he was having dizziness, feeling lightheaded, feeling he was going to fall over. Thought he might be having another stroke. Well, doctors ruled that out, and now here, just a few weeks later, he checked himself into Walter Reed Hospital for clinical depression, which apparently he has suffered from on and off over the last several years of his life. And that's unfortunate. And I'm not going to poke fun at somebody's medical issues. That is wrong. I'll never do that. Um, I hope he gets the care that he needs. I know clinical depression can be tough. Um, And if you are somebody out there suffering with with depression and you need to talk to somebody, you know, call the 1-800 lines, call a friend, call a family member. Even if you don't think they'll care, I promise you, they'll care. Um, send an email to me. I, I'll care. The, the, the current email I have right now is uh, it's in the middle team at gmail.com in the middle team at gmail.com. So clinical depression is a big deal and I'm not going to make light. I hope he gets the treatment that he needs and he probably needs some time to relax, but you just swore in to the Senate. And if, if you don't feel like you can accomplish the duties of being a senator, you should step down. Like, you really should. And this is where, you know, guys, this is just another example of extreme political ideologies winning out. Because the left's extreme political ideology, and even the people who voted for him, show how extreme political ideologies are really pushing the plow for both political parties. Because we should never vote for somebody to represent us and represent us well who have cognitive disabilities or, uh, you know, declines, like a stroke. Not somebody who can string a sentence together, like Joe Biden, our president. And this is becoming normal, where we're voting for people who are clearly not qualified or are not physically able to represent us in the Congress. And that's where extreme ideologies come in. 
Because if you're a Pennsylvania voter for John Fetterman, if, if your ideologies are so severe that you're willing to push a man who had a stroke to the Senate, like you need to step back and look in the mirror and ask why. Because I know the answer. Now, whether you're going to be honest with the answer or not, I don't know. But I know the answer. And the answer is because your ideologies are so strong, you would rather have a stroke guy filling just a seat filler in the Senate than take the risk of the Republicans having the majority in the Senate. <laughs> like you're willing to use and abuse a man who's got severe medical issues and pressure him to continue to run rather than to give the other party a majority. You still have the White House. That's what I'm saying, guys. Like, that is ridiculous. And if you're in that camp, look, I'm not going to beat up on you, but you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. You need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Because that is ridiculous. You know, the guy gets up on stage during the campaign and is saying some inaudible or ineligible things and all the seals clap. Guys, don't be a seal. If somebody is not even like if the State of the Union, Biden couldn't even parse some sentences together. And again, I'm not big. I, I think he's got some cognitive decline and he shouldn't be president. He would literally mess up his words and garble them to the point you could not understand him and the seals would stand up and clap. It's embarrassing. I would, I would be embarrassed to be Somebody who just blindly claps and says, yeah, that's the guy right there when they can't even talk. They can't string together a sentence. And if you're one of those people, you got to take a long, hard look. Guys, This we, we can't keep deploying extreme ideologies to the point where we promote people who are not the best and the brightest, who are not qualified, and who have severe medical issues that render them unqualified. Extreme, it's extreme political ideologies that push these people over. And, and this would not happen 20, 30 years ago. This it just would not happen. If somebody clearly had a stroke on the campaign trail and was cognitively declined, they would lose the election immediately. Because people back then had didn't have these extreme ideologies. Not to the point where they weren't willing to compromise or be logical or use common sense. There were some extreme thoughts back in the day, don't get me wrong, but not in politics. Like, I remember my grandparents and my parents saying, oh, I voted for Reagan, but then I voted for Bush, and then I voted for Clinton, and I voted for Kennedy. They voted for who they thought was best, regardless of political party. Now it's the line is drawn. Don't cross the line. And that's stupid, guys. That's why we're not making any progress. That's why we have an 80-year-old cognitive declining uh, president. We have uh, his cabinet are basically a bunch of secretaries that are inept and really unqualified, most of them, to do the job. And that's why it seems like chaos in hell in America right now. Because of extreme political ideologies. So I hope Senator Fetterman gets feeling better. I hope he gets the care that he needs. But really, 
you know, my my call to you, Senator Fetterman, is if if you're not up to the task and you need the time to get healthy mentally and physically, just step down. It's okay. That party manipulated you to and abused you to fill a seat. And that's wrong. So moving on, I'm going to finish the show, guys, with some good news. The Texas Attorney General is suing the Biden administration over this omnibus spending bill that they passed in the late hours of December before the new Congress could be sworn in. So here's the press release. Attorney General Paxton is suing. Uh, let me. Sorry, I lost my place there for a split second. Attorney General Paxton is suing President Biden and members of his administration over the unlawful signing and implementation of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, which was the latest omnibus spending bill. The U.S. Constitution requires that a quorum of members of the U.S. House of Representatives be present for the lower chamber of Congress to conduct business. When the House passed the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, in December of 2022, fewer than half of its members were present and more than half voted by proxy. So you can't have a quorum and vote by proxy, guys. It's not how it works. Because a quorum means you're actually there. Everybody's there, right? So it's not a quorum if you're voting by proxy. So I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad... You know, the attorney general there is is trying to do something here because the omnibus bill was ridiculous, guys. They, they passed over a trillion dollars of spending when we had already elected a new Congress. Not cool. That's kind of like the garbage side of the swamp, right? The swampy swamp butts there. And, and the Republicans and Democrats were all in it together. Let's just ramrod this, you know, close to the holidays. Nobody's paying attention. We're going to ramrod this trillion dollar spending bill. That affects all of 2023, basically rendering the new Congress coming in pretty much pointless as it, as it pertains to spending. And one of the biggest responsibilities of Congress, especially the House of Representatives, is the power of the purse, is to appropriate spending. And rather than giving the new Congress the ability to do that, the, the swamp rats in D.C. just passed a trillion dollars of slush spending. That's all it was. And I'm glad to see at least somebody standing up, this the Texas Attorney General, and, and trying to stop it and fight it and maybe getting it overturned. I mean, I, I think this is a pretty pretty awesome play here that he's he's done. He's suing, you know, it's it's interesting that he he went after the administration for signing and implementing it when they should have, you know, caught the constitutionality of it. So th they'll obviously appeal this. Some court, it'll probably be in the Ninth Circuit, which, you know, always goes left, and they'll They'll probably say, no, 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 they, they did this legally, whatever. They'll make something up to not follow the Constitution because that's what happens often, guys. Um, but they can appeal this, and it might even get appealed up to you know a federal court. I, I don't think this is something that's going to make it to the Supreme Court. I could be wrong, and if I am, I'd love to eat crow on this because this omni-spending bill was, was ridiculous and should have never happened. So that's some good news. We're going to end it there, guys. Uh, I am out of time. I have got to run, but I really appreciate you showing up every day and listening. Thank you so much for your support, your feedback, your comments. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast from. Please hit the subscribe button. Leave me a rating and review so I can constantly make the show better. 
I am off this weekend, guys, to go watch a basketball game with my family up in Cleveland. I think I mentioned this already, my wife's alma mater. Super excited. And I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, too. And I look forward to being back here with you Monday morning. But until then, guys, have a great American day.